0: I have one announcement for you. We are doing baptism since it's now April at the end of this month. If you're interested in being baptized, you can sign up at the Welcome Center. Uh, Next week after every service, we're going to have a short baptism class. If you have a child who wants to get baptized who is under 12, we also have a child's baptism class that's going to be next Sunday as well after the 11 o'clock service. So you can sign up and let them know about that. Uh, If you are new to Element Welcome, there are Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. If you don't own one, we'd love for you to have one. If you forgot one, you can use one there are normally sermon notes on all the communion tables but right now we're doing this series called didn't see that coming and so we have these booklets our staff put together you can grab one and take one this is week 13 we're at today so you got three more but if you're industrious you can go listen to the podcast and then kind of catch up by next week if you come back so whatever. But uh, in these booklets you will get short little daily devotions to get you in the habit. If you haven't spent time with God on a daily basis, you'll have that. There's also family questions. You can ask other people in your family. There's gospel community questions. You can ask your friends. It's all in an effort to help us to understand what the gospel really is as a church community together. So you can do that. If you have a smartphone, you can download an app that is called YouVersion. Click on more and then events and YouVersion will come up by a GPS in your smartphone and you will get uh, sermon notes, which just consists of for this series you'll get a gospel statement we'll talk about at the very end Uh, you're going to get the the verses we go through today and some announcements my name is Aaron I'm one of the pastors here why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's word this is Luke 24, verses 25 to 27. It says, And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let's pray. Father, this morning I asked that you would teach us as a people what it means to understand resurrection. That we get to live and walk lives that are now different today, not just because of the cross, but also because of the great goodness of the resurrection. And I ask that in that you would gain great glory as your people live in the joy you provide because you are good. Amen. Have a seat. Today is the day we celebrate Resurrection. Easter, for a lot of people, is a day they feel like they they have to go to church service, listen to some self-important person like me, talk to you about the Bible for about half an hour, then you get to go eat brunch or lunch, you get some mimosas with your family, depending on how well you like your family or dislike your family, you might determine how many of those mimosas you have lunch or brunch. But uh, really, I think we have lost the idea of what the resurrection actually is. And so I kind of want to talk about that today. Because if you don't know this, the way things typically work is when somebody dies, they typically stay dead it's been my experience that death is final that's how the world's supposed to work this isn't like a stephen king novel and we didn't bury your grandma your uncle or one day hopefully betty white but she just keeps on going right or or elvis or like that, in like a pet cemetery right we're solid about how it's supposed to work but christianity in the gospel teaches that resurrection says everything is different the rug's been pulled out from how we assume it's supposed to work didn't see that coming. So, we have been doing that series, like I said, called Didn't See That Coming, all about what the gospel really is. Now, when you talk about the gospel today, people a lot of times don't understand what that even means. The word gospel is chosen because it simply means the good news. A gospel was a history-changing event that everybody had to respond to in one way or another. Like when Augustus becomes emperor of Rome, a document goes out in Greek that starts like this. This is the beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. It's the declaration he had ascended to the throne, and that declaration was sent out. Heralds went all over the empire and told everybody the gospel of Caesar Augustus. Now, the good news... For Caesar Augustus wasn't necessarily good news for everybody else. But when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's news of a major history-changing event that affects everybody. That God has been on a rescue mission to redeem and bring His people back in again. That God is making all things new, even us, through the ministry and the work of Jesus. Through Jesus' death and His resurrection, God is fulfilling everything He promised in the Old Testament Scriptures to redeem us and to bring us home, and no one saw that coming. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter. 24 You're probably able to put a little bookmark there if you want because we're going to keep coming back to Luke 24 uh, hopefully today is kind of new if you've been here for this series but it might be a little bit of overview as well in luke 24 these women go to the tomb of jesus they're taking spices to prepare his body today we embalm then it's that spices and they get to the tomb and the body is gone they didn't see that coming because if they did they wouldn't have gone but luke 24 verse 4 when that while they were perplexed about this behold two men stood by them in dazzling apparel and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground the men said to them why do you seek the living among the dead. He is not here but is risen. In verse 12, it tells you Peter goes and he looks and he is also marveled by what's taking place. And so resurrection is this idea, he's not here, he has risen. But what does that mean? You've got to talk about that in terms of the good news of what it all means. For for us, you know, today a lot of people think that the gospel just means uh, something happens after I die. I get to go to heaven. That's the gospel. But that's not the gospel. You know, The gospel is not someday over there, over the rainbow, this thing's going to happen. I mean, it could include some of those things as a result of it, but that's not. Resurrection is about new life here, now, today. It transcends life after death. Something else is going on. Resurrection is something that lies at the heart of the Christian story, the gospel. It's more than life after death. If you go further in Luke chapter 24, it tells you that Jesus appears to his disciples. They're in this room, all the doors are locked, and they're scared like schoolgirls because he shows up in the midst of this. Luke 24, verse 39, Jesus calms them by saying, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling because they want to believe this, they're just not sure, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? It's kind of interesting, right? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. So apparently when you rise from the grave, you get hungry. No, what's happening here is he's trying to show them this is a physical resurrection. This is real. This is real. And and a lot of times people don't believe that Jesus rose from the grave until he actually breaks bread with them. And then they're like, oh, I see. And so when we speak about the gospel being this history-changing event that everybody has to respond to, the resurrection is one of the main proofs of that, but it also is the result of what all of God is doing actually brings about in our lives. The reason so many philosophers today and in that day try to discredit the resurrection is that it lies at the heart of the gospel. The apostle Paul said if Jesus isn't raised from the grave, and Paul means physically, then we are to be pitied among all people because our faith is in vain. The apostles, philosophers in that day, and even today, know that the resurrection that in Christianity is claiming something completely unique for Jesus in this. And today people say, but why does the resurrection make Jesus unique? Aren't there other religions that have people that have been raised from the dead? Well, not really the same way as Jesus. But doesn't the Bible itself say other people were resurrected? Didn't the Old Testament prophet Elijah raise this widow's son from the dead? Didn't Jesus raise his buddy Lazarus from the dead? So why would the resurrection of Jesus suddenly make him and his message unique? And the answer is that nobody was ever raised like Jesus. If you look at Lazarus, okay, in the Bible, Jesus raised him from the dead. They have to roll this stone away from Lazarus' tomb. They had to untangle him from his grave clothes so he could speak and he could walk and he could move. When Jesus rises from the grave, his, his clothes are lying there in the tomb completely wrapped and folded because Jesus passed right through them. In Luke 24, the disciples are hiding. Again, they have all those doors locked. They're afraid someone's going to come and kill them like they killed Jesus. And he passes right through there and stands among them. Now, we're also told that at the tomb of Jesus, the stone was rolled away. But have you ever asked why? Because if Jesus can pass through walls you know, of stones, no big deal. Why was the stone rolled away? Why on Easter morning was that stone no longer in front of Jesus' tomb? It's not so Jesus could get out. It's so Mary and the disciples could get in and they could see what's going on. And they could begin to speak about this good news that Jesus is not here. He has risen. We get to enter in and Jesus has gone out. See, death loses its grip on Lazarus, but Lazarus rises to die again. Tim Keller says, Jesus broke the hands and the teeth of death. He broke the bars of death. He destroyed death, the death of death and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ when Jesus dies on the cross in Matthew chapter 27 we're told that the temple in this curtain, the, that the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom and if you don't understand what the gospel is or, or what it means you might think that's really sad, now they got to go and buy some new curtains, right? but that's not what's happening, what, what's happening here is the same thing that happens kind of at the resurrection, in the temple there was this curtain or this veil that separated the most holy place where God dwelt from everyone else, it's kind of at the center, you had all these different courts throughout it you had the court of the gentiles and the court of the women and the court of the men and the court of the priests but in the center of everything was the most holy place where god dwelt and that was separated by a curtain in matthew chapter 27 speaking of jesus death verse 50 it says and jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit and behold the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom now matthew he is a jewish writer and he's writing to a jewish audience they're all familiar with the arrangement of this temple in the temple, it guards people from entering the most holy place for our own safety. And that curtain, that veil was torn in two from top to bottom, from God to us. Later, writers in the scriptures will, sh- will say this is, means in this most sacred place, we get to enter in again. We get to go into relationship with God. We can be restored to what we were meant to be. But it also means that God has gone out. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience in a way they understand that the curtain was torn top to bottom. Luke is writing to a Gentile audience showing the stone has been rolled away. They understood Romans and stones and tombs. And it's like, and you can go in and he has gone out. Everything can now be different because of resurrection. Nothing has to be the same again. Which as Jesus walks right through walls, he can walk through all the walls that we have placed in our own heart and come in and begin to deal with us. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Keep your place in Luke 24, though we're going to come back to that. Jesus' resurrection is meant to be seen as a very physical resurrection. It's about this world and this life. This is how the early church began to speak about this. This is a saying that was said in the church within two to three years after Jesus' resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, and this is the same, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. This is part of didn't see that coming all the way back at the beginning. We talked about how mankind ran from a relationship with God and he promised he would come himself and rescue and save us. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Why? Again, for our sins. What separated us From God and one another. This is the idea of what resurrection means. Verse 5: And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. The Apostle Paul writes this to say, it's a real resurrection. It is physical. It's about life here now. And if you have questions, there are people still alive, and you can go and ask them. Resurrection is about a new kind of physical life here now today that's active, is engaged in this world that we call home. In John chapter 21, the disciples, they're out fishing on this boat. And Jesus shows up on the, on the beach. They're out there trying to figure out what their next steps are going to be. And he says, hey, I made breakfast. Come off the boat and come eat breakfast with me here. And it shows that resurrection is an affirmation of physical life. Because God created this world and it's good. It's good. And it's apparently affirmation of breakfast. Go IHOP, right? So it's it's flesh and bone and skin and forgiveness and grace. And the big story is not someday over there, you know, that we're going to abandon this place. and go. It's that God has not abandoned this place. That God's going to redeem and renew and restore. We're going to bring heaven to earth. That's what's going to happen. Genesis, it starts here. Revelation ends here. Here. That means we're called to be on mission here, now, today. Genesis starts and you got a garden and trees and a river, and Revelation, you got a city and a garden and a tree and rivers. And what do we got today? Cities and gardens and trees and rivers and you and me and Jesus and restored, redeemed, reconciled, this world that God has not given up on. The, one of the reasons the resurrection in the scriptures is so in your face, why it's so central to the proclamation of the gospel, is it's meant to be about real life now real life, today. And there's so much outrage about it today, about what Christianity actually claims about Jesus. And people are always wanting to put it just in the realm of the spiritual, say it has nothing to do with the physical. Tim Keller says, and I agree with him, that one of the great ironies of people today is that they, they hate pad answers and they hate cliches, but we live in the most cliché and pad answers of all today. Because today we say, oh, everybody has their own spirituality and truth. Everybody has a part of it. Who really knows all the truth? That is the worst patronizing answer of all. Because as long as we can say, you know, we're all searching, that means everybody lives in a state of limbo forever. Yay! Isn't that fun? No! This is why Jesus in John 14 says, I'm not the pointer to the truth, I am the truth. I'm not the pointer to the life. I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He holds the keys to death. He destroyed death. The only way to true life is through Him, which means our search is done. We don't have to live in patronizing answers. We get to actually live in the truth. The gospel means it calls us to a day of decision now. Back in Luke 24 couple verses before we looked at before there's this whole interesting thing that takes place and I want to read it to you a little more in context uh, Luke 24 verse 36 says as they were talking about these things that Jesus death Jesus himself stood among them and said to them peace to you because when Jesus shows up out of the blue a lot of people freak out just like we still do in our lives today but they were startled and frightened they thought they saw a spirit and he said to them why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart see my hands and my feet that it is I myself touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? It's like, how is he going to show them? I'm not just a spirit. Have you got anything to eat? Did you go to Chick-fil-A today? Did you bring me something? I'll I'll eat that in front of you. They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. Luke knows exactly what he's saying. He knows exactly what he's doing. If he's writing legend, you would leave all these little things out. Why does it say broiled and not fried? Because it's reporting. He's reporting news. The gospel is reporting the good news. John says in 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John says, this is who we declare to you. What Luke and John are saying is, we know it's an outrageous claim. We know it is. He arose from the grave. They lived in a pluralistic society just like ours where everybody said, oh, everybody has a little piece of the truth. They live just like we do. And so they knew what they were saying was going to be outrageous because they're saying, trust this man and you get to live forever. And they know what they're saying, but they say, what else can we do? We saw him with our own eyes. We heard him with our own ears. We touched him with our own real hands. Luke and John and all the gospel writers are saying, you can call us liars or you can believe and live in the reality of a whole new life here and now, today. They don't dumb down what they're saying. They don't give patronizing answers. They don't give an opinion of this maybe happened. It's Jesus' resurrection is true and real because we saw it. It's not a spiritual story. It's a real story. It's a claim. Jesus died for what we did to separate ourselves from others and from God. He rises from the grave to bring us back in a new life again. It's reporting what the gospel is. It's Jesus is Lord. It's a living hope that our lives can be renewed and remade. And it all happens when God steps into our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. Resurrection is not a celebration that we're not going to be left behind. It's the affirmation of God's good creation here and now that was in serious trouble because of us and our decisions. And God is going to rescue it with Jesus on a cross and an empty tomb. And if we are people who say we follow Jesus, we've got to understand some things in this. That resurrection is an affirmation. That creation is good. Physical and spiritual are good. It is bone and flesh and bread and wine and embraces and cookies And I know I didn't give you any today, but it's cookies. They're good. It's amazing. Resurrection declares that this world actually matters to God. He's going to redeem and reshape it. So that means what we think now matters. And how we live now matters. And how we treat others matters. And how we worship matters resurrection is meant to not just give us the resources but to also inspire us to care for our neighbors because what we do now goes on after us into eternity and it all begins with the cross and an empty tomb we're invited to take part in resurrection now today for the for the first Christians, resurrection was all about life rooted here and now and grounded, making a difference, not some far off world. And so they had all these words and metaphors they used for it, which all stem back to what Jesus said. In First 1 Peter 1, 1.3, he says, According to his great mercy, he had caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again. Jesus says this to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. This is an image that they latch onto, this new birth, this new life. The reality of the resurrection is we get to start over. It's a fresh day. Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week. It's really a first day of a whole brand new creation. We are born into sin in our lives, but Jesus brings us back to life again so that we can live out the reality of who God calls us to be right here and right now. All things can become new again. That's the beauty of a physical resurrection, that God's not going to let his world go. He's not going to let his son decay, and he will do the same thing in us. N.T. Wright says this. He He says, If Easter means Jesus Christ is only raised in a spiritual sense, then Easter is only about me and finding a new dimension in my own personal spiritual life. But if Jesus Christ is truly risen from the dead, Christianity becomes good news for the whole world, not just for me. News which warms our hearts precisely because it isn't just about warming our hearts. He goes on and he says, Easter means that in a world where injustice, violence, and degradation are endemic, God is not prepared to tolerate any such thing. And that we will work and plan with all the energy of God to implement the victory of Jesus over them all. He says, Take away Easter and Karl Marx is right to accuse Christianity of ignoring the problems of the material world. Take away Easter and Freud was right to say Christianity is wish fulfillment. Take away Easter and Nietzsche was right to say it is for wimps. But with the resurrection being true, With the resurrection means physical and real. It means the gospel sends us out on mission in the world to proclaim with words, but also make a difference with our lives. This is why we stand in the face of hatred. We stand in the face of indifference. People will say about a lot of things about the resurrection, but what you have to see is it's real and it's true and it's physical. Jesus will say to various people after he rises from the grave, touch me, touch me and see, touch me and see. Only one place he tells someone, don't touch me, and that was to Mary because she was trying to hang on to him. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is, I'm going to ascend. It's going to be amazing. He's like, no, I'm going to, he's like, don't touch me. Okay. Uh, and and what, this is what people tend to do, though. We take objects or things or places and we venerate certain things. After And Jesus, I think, wanted the resurrection never to focus people inward. He wanted to focus them outward to who he was calling them to be, proclaiming the gospel, the good news. He's risen. And if you want really proof of that fact, you got to note the very historical fact that the Christians lost the tomb of Jesus. They lost it. When Jesus died, it was normal for sages or holy men or wise men or prophets when they died their followers to make a tomb or a shrine or a place of veneration for pilgrimage. There were 50 of these type of tombs and holy sites in Jesus' day. But historically speaking, we know 150 years after the resurrection, nobody is even sure where the tomb of Jesus was. Nobody really knew. You can go to Jerusalem today, pay somebody twenty bucks and say, oh, I'll show you the tomb of Jesus. They're going to rip you off. Because nobody really knows. Nobody knows. And the reasons that nobody knows is the Christians basically ignored the tomb. Now, why? Someone once explained it like this. They said, if you have a son who lives with you, growing up in your house, there's nothing special about their room, other than it probably smells really bad and there's garbage all over the floor and stuff like that. But the room kind of means nothing. But if they go away to college or if they get married or, worst of all, maybe that child dies, right, the room becomes very important. Like, you might walk in. And all of a sudden, things mean something different. You don't look at those shoes on the floor the same way. You're like, oh, why can't he pick up the shoes? It's, oh, there's his shoes. Oh, there's his bed. It's very hard for parents to touch a room after a child dies because they can't bear to throw things out. You can't touch a thing. Because we don't have the person, you venerate the place. Things and the place become the shrine. Why is it that Christians didn't go to the tomb? Why didn't they turn it into a shrine? It's very simple. They had him. Because he rose from the dead. This is why we understand today, resurrection is not the end. It's the beginning of a new redeemed life, a whole new world, a whole new redeemed humanity. We get redeemed out of our old life to step into the new life God has intended for us. New birth is not just about babies. New birth is about our lives here and now. Resurrection, he's not here. He is risen. He has risen indeed. Tomorrow doesn't have to be the same as it is today. It can all be different, and we never, ever see it coming. And I think when we have eyes to see, we become astounded by the power of God. On a practical level, resurrection, this new birth, new life, new hope, new freedom, it could even be from that voice in your head that says, You're not good enough. You will never measure up. No one could ever love you. When God comes and says, I have deemed you worthy. I have called you my child. You get to come in. Romans 6, five says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That means that there is victory of life over death. As Tim Keller said, resurrection is the death of death. And if the worst this life can throw at you is death, then you win. Then you win. Not for your own sake, but for what he has done. By calling us into brand new life. And then we understand that we have been sent out. We enter in. Jesus comes to us. We go out and bear witness to the gospel's power in this world. Uh, We have been giving Element weekly these gospel statements for people to work through and think about, maybe rewrite in their own words. Some weeks I make everybody repeat it with me. If you're new, I'm not going to do that today because you'd be like, that's a cult, right? So we're not going to do that, right? So, So... So I'm just going to read you the gospel statement, okay? This is this week's gospel statement. The gospel is the powerful news that by conquering death and resurrecting from the grave, Jesus is redeeming both individual lives and the whole earth back to the way of life God intended it to be. He has given us authority and power to partner with him to renew all things by his spirit. Now let me read that again, and I'll show you two parts of this. The gospel is the powerful news that by conquering death and resurrecting from the grave, Jesus is redeeming both individual lives and the whole earth back to the way of life God intended it to be. That's, that's the gospel, and what is the result of that come? He has given us authority and power to partner with Him to renew all things by His Spirit. See, this is the beauty of the true and real resurrection. that the good news of the gospel. I mean, it means that, that we should be a people who just don't find Jesus inspiring. There's a lot of people in the world that find Jesus inspiring and they've never even looked at their own lives and their own self-centeredness and how they turn everything in their lives into an idol, which is a lot like us when jesus stops being an inspiration and really becomes lord and savior of our lives he is inspiring but he also becomes savior redeemer god king hope new life again our god calls us in he renews us and remakes us he calls us his children he brings us into his family do you understand that the scriptures call this adoption and that means that god actually wanted us I don't know why anybody would want me. I don't. I ask my wife that all the time. Why do you want me? I'm a weirdo, right? But God actually wanted us. And he calls it. That's the beauty of the gospel. And the resurrection means that we erase new life to live in God's family again. That our God is not going to leave us and our hearts and our spirits and our lives to decay. He's going to raise us back up again and lead us into this world in real and true physical ways because he is good. This is one of the reasons we talk about communion every week. You take that cracker and you break it like Christ's body was broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice. It reminds us of His broken body and His blood that was shed for us as He promised all the way back in Genesis 3 that He would come and do to take away the sin that separates us from Him and us from one another. And He rises to new life to show us that new life is actually truly possible. And He gives that new life to us to begin to live out. The band's going to come up. As they do, I'm going to invite you to take communion. There'll be some deacons and elders in the back. And if you need prayer, if you want to understand more about what the gospel is, if you want to pray with somebody, if you have no idea about this, this resurrection and new life, and I just confused you completely, they would love to talk to you about who Jesus is. Because our God is good, our God is our rescuer, He is our hope, He is our life. And if you in your life today are feeling just, just torn down, like you have a hard time trusting anybody or anything, and maybe you've been burned by a church or Christians at some point in the past, You need to to understand that what those people did is not who Jesus is. Jesus longs to restore and rekindle and renew in your heart and in your life a love for him and a love for what he calls us to be in the world. Our God is great. He is good. And he does not let our hearts and souls decay. He comes and raises us to new life. Uh, there's offering boxes next to every door we give because God gives so much to us, giving us part of our worship. We do not pass the plated element. We believe it's always meant to be a response to what God has done. Normally, there would be cookies outside, but there isn't because I want you all to leave. <laughs> so, what? Uh, there, but I would uh, recommend you grab one of the things of sermon notes. Maybe ask one another some questions this week. You know, kind of talk about what does resurrection actually mean? Do you have a place in your life? Where you're, where you're hoping, praying, asking God to renew something in your heart and your soul that has kind of died and you wished it would come back. Maybe a love for Him. Maybe it's a love for one another. Maybe it's a relationship in your life that is kind of tanked and you just have anger animosity towards it and you want God to do something new in you. Talk to somebody about that. Pray with somebody through that. Because God can make all things new. He can. We are people that trust Him in the midst of all of this. Because he is good. The gospel is the good news of how God rescues us. And then we get to go out and proclaim that good news. Just like the people in the scriptures did. That it is real. It is true. And new life can be different even now, today. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I do ask that you would move us to a place where we daily remember who you are and what you have done. Father, for those in this room, Who need a touch by you in a way that revives them to new life. I ask that you begin to do that. That you would draw people to you. That we would understand your goodness. And that we would begin to live in that goodness in a way that lives out that goodness in the world around us. That we would understand that all the things that you promise throughout the scriptures are because that you love us. And that we are to begin to love because you have first loved us. And so today, we knew our hearts and our minds and our lives to see the good news of who you are in this physical resurrection. That you are good for your promises. That you love this place that we live called the earth and you have called us to then go out and make a difference around us not for the sake of making you love us more but for the sake of understanding how much you first loved us and so we would live out in a way that responds to your love for us have us live out the good news by what we do and what we say and may you be glorified above all things by what we do because you are good We ask these things in your son's good name. Amen.